Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janus Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janus Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Right now on Fast, a major miss at Meta. Revenue dropping for the second straight quarter, expected to drop again in Q4. Losses for the Metaverse, part of Meta now stand at nearly $10 billion so far this year. The stock getting hammered. The call about to start will go inside the numbers. Plus, topping the tape, shares of the OIH, the oil services ETF, crushing it up nearly 40% this month. What's behind this energizing trade? And later, throwing in the towel, one of our traders is saying no moss on FedEx and hello to the competition. UPS will go inside the switcheroo coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live with Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, Fano and Eisen, and Guy Adami. We kick things off with a meta meltdown. Shares plunging to the tune of about 13% right now after the social media giant missed on earnings and warned of a weak fourth quarter. That big bet on the metaverse so far not paying off. The stock dropping to its lowest level since 2016. The call just getting started at the top of the hour. Let's get straight to Julia Borson, who is listening in. Julia. Well, Melissa, Meta revenues declined 4% from the year-ago period. That is a smaller drop than analysts expected, but earnings missed expectations, and the revenue outlook was on the lighter end of what analysts were looking for. While Reality Labs' losses aren't slowing, that's another thing to keep in mind, despite concerns about how much Meta is sinking into its Metaverse building division. I spoke to Meta outgoing CFO Dave Weiner. Uh, what he told me is that currency is a much stronger headwind than they expected. They are also continuing to see macro headwinds, and that's factoring into how they are figuring their 2023 budget out. He also was bullish on Reels, saying that they are pleased with the engagement that they're seeing on Reels and also that they're making progress on making money from Reels. He also talked about making progress on managing those Apple iOS operating system changes as they lap a quarter where they had already rolled out, so the comps are easier there. Um, but he did note that the lower headwinds from the iOS impact have been offset by the macro headwinds that everyone is grappling with right now. Wiener also talked about how the company's headcount will be flat from between now through the end of next year. How times have changed, Melissa, from when these companies used to be growing so quickly. Yeah, uh, growth at all costs, not really in vogue these days. Julia, thank you. Keep us posted on what goes on in the conference call. The stock is down almost 14% right here. Karen, I got to go to you. You've been a long time mm-hmm. meta Long holder. suffering, yes. Long As suffering, along yes. with many, many, many other people. And it's amazing <laughs> yep. to think that, you know, Snap came out, Alphabet came out, and yet here we are, meta mm-hmm. down 14%. It, obviously, it was not de-risked at all going into this quarter. Well, I think if you looked at how it traded right as the earnings came out, the earnings themselves and, and, um, you know, whether they beat a little on uh, monthly users, I mean, that was a tiny bit of noise. When you have a multiple of like 11 or 12, it shouldn't move this much. But what really happened was this idea of the spend and the operating expenses. And that's just been terribly disappointing. And I think that the reaction is all due to that, right? If it's, I mean... You, on any reasonable basis of valuation for a company like this, I mean, it's now trading 
under six times EBITDA, which is insane. It's probably, I don't know, what, 10, 11 times earnings. We don't know exactly what earnings are going to be, but there is still a gigantic business there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what the valuation is now on this stream of, I mean, the market is putting a bigger and bigger negative valuation on that stream of spend. And, uh, you know, there was a, that altimeter piece I thought was really interesting. It's not possible, even if Zuckerberg wanted to do every single thing in it, that that would have gotten done by September 30th quarter end. Sure. Right? So um, I really want to hear the call. Obviously, the spend, the outlook uh, is, uh, I mean, that But didn't already, we know about the spend? Didn't we yes, know? So everything, so to, to your point, so I bought it today. So I'm a short-term pain holder of it. Uh-huh. I bought it because I thought it was all de-risked. Right. For everything that you opened up the show with, I thought it was already in the stock price. Me we too. already knew yeah, about $10 billion in spend. Yes. Right. So all the stuff that you just said, though, was even on top of it, which is this is an amazing change for me because it was down 61 percent before they even printed. It's already right. there. What, right. what are we looking at? It's scary. Yeah. That's my point is like, what, right. does this go down 90 percent? Because the next support in the stock is a lot lower than where we're at right now. Right. I mean, on this conference call, which is four minutes in at this point, Guy, I mean, uh, in this environment, you want to hear companies battening down the hatches. To hear that headcount is going to be flat is sweet. <laughs> but in terms of their spend, it's still enormous in this environment. Yeah, the reality for them is, in fact, their reality labs, which is an unmitigated disaster. I mean, Karen and Steve spoke to it. Just for perspective, operating margins this quarter last year was close to 36% for Facebook. Came in this quarter 20.4%, which was still lower than the street was expecting. That's a, that's a disaster when you have effectively half the planet on your platform, which is, if you think about it, that's remarkable. And average revenue per user down in North America, down in U.S. and Canada, not good, obviously. There's really nothing to like here except the following, to Steve's point. Stock has gotten obliterated. You're going to get an absolute capitulatory wipeout in terms of volume over the next couple of days. And I'll say this at the risk of sounding somewhat glib. The setup over the next couple weeks, couple months in Facebook, I think, because we're going to sort of tread along the bottom here, is going to look exactly how Netflix looked this spring when it trudged along around 185, 190. You could finally make a compelling case on valuation. Now almost $118 later in Netflix, you see what can happen. So there's going to be a shot here where you can buy, buy Facebook, close your eyes, volume capitulation, stay in it for a couple months, and you're going to be rewarded. For, for the Netflix metaphor to work, though, Guy, don't we need to have the equivalent of the ad-supported streaming platform? I mean, what would that equivalent be for Facebook at this point? Stabilization, um, okay. the ability to show maybe there's some light at the end of this. I mean, right now... You know, it's the old saying, I mean, they're throwing good money after bad money for a gambling yeah. analogy. I mean, it's a, I mean, $10 billion is not an right. insignificant. By the way, they're also buying back stock at a r- pretty ridiculous pace, which clearly isn't working out all that well either. So not a lot to like here. Um, you got to wonder in the C-suite what they're talking about because they're making a huge bet, not only on the f- future of the firm, but think about this quickly. Facebook is in 332 ETFs. So there are people out there right now say, thank God, I don't own Facebook. Guess mm-hmm. again, you probably do. Yeah. And uh, how about, I know you want to get Bono in, but how about if you cut the spend when you say, what do they want to hear? What happens if you cut that spend, and to Guy's point with the buyback, if you take that extra money and buy back 
stock at this point, you place your flag in the sand and say, this is a tremendous, our stock is on sale. We're going to take that $10 billion and we're going to spend $8 billion of it and buy back stock. So let's pose that question to Bonoin. Would that make you feel better? If, if what Steve said happens, Bonoin, would you think that this is a buy here or is it a trap? Value trade or value trap? It comes down to the same question almost any, uh, every single night for all of these stocks, but in particular yeah. for Meta, which is now trading at a forward PE of 12. Yeah, so there's a couple of questions there, but to, to get to your first one, no, I, I honestly think that would be more of a value trap, and I would lose even more faith in management. And, and make no mistake, the move today after hours after earnings is an indictment of management. Now, let, let me be a bit more succinct here in my answer. They have said, this is the path forward with the metaverse. We are going to pour, and I mean pour money into this. For them to now pivot out of that and say, we're not going to continue to invest in the metaverse, and instead we're going to buy back shares, I think that would spook whatever remaining believers still exist. And, you know, I think there actually is a lot to like about this company, particularly the balance sheet. I mean, $35 billion of free cash flow generation over the tolling 12 trailing 12 months is a lot to like. What people are telling you is that they do not believe in the visionary anymore. The mismanagement of resources, you know, the fact that the growth isn't there, it's fine. Whether we point to ARPUs or daily or monthly active users, you're not seeing that growth. That is being siphoned away. But you still do have a highly profitable business. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you are lighting cash on fire. And that's why the stock is having the reaction that it has. And having no faith in management is really just having no faith in Mark Zuckerberg, because that's what it boils down to, right, Karen? I mean, how do you, how do you feel at this point in terms of the company's vision as a shareholder? Would you feel mm-hmm. better if the company stuck by it or mm-hmm. said, you know what, maybe it's time to sort of rethink our priorities? Well, I think there's another option, which is go at half speed, right? Which, right, is which what, is the altimeter. Right, that was the altimeter mm-hmm. alternative, which I, I thought was interesting. I kind of, I disagree with Bonwin on that, who would be left if they did that? I think a lot of people would would cheer that and say, this is what I've been waiting for. I can buy the, the, the more legacy right. business, right, at a valuation that we haven't seen in uh-huh. years. Um, it would be interesting to me if they did do a buyback, that would be send two messages. One, our stock is ridiculously cheap. Two, we're going to have more. We're, we're going to cut back our spend to do it. Right. Um, I don't I, I, I'm not optimistic that will happen in the short term. But I, I think we've seen some companies change direction before. I think it's possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ten minutes into the conference call, we'll keep you posted on uh, any developments out of that. Meantime, let's turn to the market's roller coaster ride. The Nasdaq dropping sharply at the open, climbed to its its way into positive territory midday, and then ran out of steam to close down more than two percent. The S and P almost dropping about a percent, um, while the Dow managed to eke out the slightest of gains. The index is now up four days in a row. Meantime. The yield on 10-year treasuries continue to fall, drop below the three-month treasury yield for the first time since March 2020. So Bonwin uh, had mentioned this yesterday as the rates stay. Let's bring in technical guru Sven Heinrich, the uh, founder of Northman Trader. He's got a chart he is watching. Sven, uh, it, it's a rates day. It's been, it's been rates, a rates-driven market. But what's the chart that you're looking at? Well, it's interesting. You know, we had a big summer rally off of the three and a half percent hit on the 10-year yield uh, as it dropped down to two and a half percent and now as we ended october 
we actually made slight new lows but could not sustain them as the S&P hit very key support. And what's really notable here is despite the 10-year the having gone up to 4.4% last week, the, basically the 2008 highs, the S&P has maintained a positive structure technically. First of all, note the positive weekly divergence on the RSI on top which means makes a higher or basically a higher low than on the initial low in June. This happens very rarely. We saw that in 2015, 2016, which produced a sizable bottom, obviously a low. We saw that at the bottom of the 2009 financial crisis vis-a-vis -vis the lows in 2008. So those are very rare. But we also saw it before in 2008 where it produced a sizable counter rally. The other point to note here is the channel, despite how difficult this bear market has been, has actually been very controlled, very clean. And so if you, if you look at this in this context, now we're coming in with positive seasonality, buybacks coming back, and if yields and the dollar cooperate here, which shows signs of potentially rolling over, then you can still have a much larger bear market rally that in 2008, for example, went all the way to the weekly 50 MA, which currently sits at 4,200. So 4,200 basically is your call. And this is all predicated on this notion of a Fed step down, which you pointed out, I believe, on Twitter that the odds of a 50 point increase in December has actually, while it's still small at like 10 percent or so, it's still moved higher even just over the course of a day. So there's this notion in the markets and, and it feels like your call it needs to be based on that or, or that needs to happen in order for your call to come true. Is that would you say that's right? Yeah, look, the Fed has come from far behind into now blindly piling into 75 basis points rate hikes. I think that's ultimately a mistake because the Fed has no visibility of what the lag effect of these rate hikes is. In fact, Jay Powell in June in his press conference says he does not expect 75 basis point rate hikes to be common. He's done three in a row and is slated to go on four. The, the, the risk, and this is where we're really all in a unique situation here, because this, the Fed having gone so aggressive, which they needed to, frankly, to get inflation down, has now reached a wall of potential financial instability. It's no accident that all of a sudden we have interventions from central banks across the globe, i.e. the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England the other day. You, you, you want to fix the problem of inflation, but you don't want to create an even larger problem on the tail end, which would be financial instability. So, Sven, I agree with a, a whole bunch of what you said, but we've never seen the Fed stop when the Fed funds rate is less than the headline inflation rate. So, which means that they have to raise 75 bips at the next meeting or else they lose credibility. For me, the market moves depend on the dollar. So if the dollar keeps retreating, then the market can go higher. But if the dollar firms up, I think the market retreats. Just your comment on the dollar. Yeah, I mean, the dollar has actually, from a technical perspective, the dollar this year has been fantastic because it actually reached a multi-year long trend line, tagged it in reverse. It's done that now two months in a row. In the past one, we've seen that there is further dollar weakness to come. Monthly RSI massively overbought. So I agree the dollar needs to continue to reverse. Uh, on your comment regarding the Fed funds, right? You know, we have to all realize we're in a very different economy here. After 14, 15 years of basically free money and debt, you know, 
debt accumulation. You know, look about go back to 2008. We were at 64 percent debt to GDP. Now we're double that, 125 percent. So to see the velocity of the yield moves that we've seen this year uh, may not allow the Fed to go as aggressive as it as maybe commonly be, be thought of here vis-a-vis -vis history. And that's why I think we are seeing all this angst here with terms of financial stability. Sven, great to speak with you always. Thanks, Sven Melissa. Henry, North Man Trader himself. Um, Guy Adami, what do you make of this call that we're going to have a, this uh, short-term rally here? His work is spot on. And, you know, we started talking about it, Mel, I think October 14th, or the, right around there when we saw those ridiculous swings. We mentioned the VIX had traded 34 the last couple times that happened. That's when you saw huge intraday moves, and that signified a bit of a bottom. It happened in June. We talked about it on June 16th. We thought we could trade up to 4,100. I think it overshot then. And we said it a, a couple weeks ago that this is a very similar setup. And, you know, I think you got another 170 or so handles to the upside. That gets us to 4,000. That will be about a 15% move from the low we made of 34.91. Again, it doesn't mean I'm bullish. It doesn't mean everything has been fixed. Mm -hmm. Far from it. But again, the most violent rallies take place in bear markets. And in terms of the dollar and yields, yeah. Those are still, if you look at the dollar, still lower left, upper right, but it's back and filled a couple times, and we're in the midst of that now. Yeah, um, and so, Bono, in your, your call in terms of it's all about rates, it still stands. I mean, yes, we finished lower on the NASDAQ today, but if, if Sven's call is, is right, it's really predicated on this notion that we're going to see this step down or pivot and rates will be tame. Yeah, which I think really underscores, you know, the difference between this earnings seasons and those of the recent past. I mean, the monetary policy overhang uh, definitely trumps earnings. And, and I, I think that's just very interesting because, you know, last earnings, we, you know, really when we sidestepped the apocalypse, there was now this 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 move to, towards the next earnings cycle and whether or not inflation had started to peak and whether you're able to pass through how the consumer is going to hold up and it seems like despite what we're getting from companies all that is kind of being tossed out of the window and we're starting to see the market kind of move lockstep uh well inversely related to to rate so i, I i'm with him I, I definitely think that is what's going to be uh front and center um you know I, I you know what i think about the fed but the um the perception around when the fed might pick or sidestep, or I don't even know what the acronyms are anymore. Um, I think that's really the tail that's wagging the dog right now. All right, coming up, we've got more after hours action for you. Shares of Ford on the move after reporting results. The company conference call is underway. We'll bring you the details next, plus a day back on the market for Mobileye, Intel's self driving company surging nearly 38% in its IPO. But is the industry in need of a pit stop? More on that when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link 
your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert for you on Ford. Shares driving lower but off their worst levels despite a narrow beat on the top and the bottom lines. The automaker pointing to supply chain problems, saying it will wind down its Argo AI business. Conference call underway right now. Um, So let's uh, trade this one. Guy, what would you make of the quarter? Almost a $3 billion, right? I mean, that is not an insignificant number. But I guess it had to be done, number one. Number two, quarter standalone is... Not bad. It's not great, but it's not a disaster. I think the stock is probably unchanged, slightly lower. And in terms of the technicals, we mentioned it last week when we played that great game or trade it or fade it. Uh, you think you trade it here. We traded down to the July lows, 10 and a half, 1060, uh, held that, bit of a double bottom. I mean, this stock could go up to 15, still be a disaster, but in terms of percentage, that's a pretty good trade. I think they're definitely doing the right thing here on, right? Just to bite the bullet. It's a non-cash charge. You know, Jack Welch used to say, if you're not number one or two in a business, just get out. And they were, I think, it also ran. So they're doing the right thing. And, you know, it's a hard quarter for everyone. We've seen the supply chain issues across the board in every industry, particularly in automotive. So I thought it was decent. I feel like it's taken too long to get through the supply chain issues, though. I feel like for a company that the size of Ford, they should already have some sort of a workaround. GM, once they printed, I, there was a, a definite different price action in GM. Um, I think the only thing that they have going for Ford is that they're making some headway with electric vehicles, with EVs. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, rates are going higher. There's going to be less purchases of cars. This seems like a layup to the downside. But I agree to Guy. with Guy, there is support in this name. Um, Bono, and you've been pretty negative on the housing market. So does this uh, sort of, you know, do you connect the dots to people buying cars as well or not buying cars? <laughs> wow. Mel, you never fail to impress me. Um, yes, like durable, good purchases, anything that you need to finance, those type of things are definitely going to come under pressure here. And, and while I will tip my cap to Ford being on the top line, I mean, that operating margin compression is not something that you want to see. When you look at the companies that have been able to perform, there are those that have been able to pass along costs. So they haven't been able to do it. They've got it to the lower end of the range that they gave in September. And that's with 40,000 vehicles that are set to be pushed out to the next quarter. So um, I don't know. I, I, yes, the, the market seems like it could have a bear market rally here, but I, I don't really think this was, was a great uh, report at all. All right, four chairs down a percent right now. Much more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next. AI takes the wheel. A big surge for Intel's mobile eye as the self-driving company comes back to market. But could there be bumps in the road for the industry? Plus, Optimus Prime. I mean, Options Prime. Traders gearing up for Amazon's report tomorrow. So will the numbers deliver? The details ahead. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. A big surge for Mobileye in its first day back in the market. Intel's self-driving technology company jumping nearly 40% today. Intel, of course, bought Mobileye about five years ago. The chipmaker saying it will use proceeds from the IPO to build more factories. Interesting timing, given what the industry is going through, Bonwin. How do you feel about Mobileye? Uh, yeah, so very interesting. I think this thing was purported to IPO at around $50 billion back uh, this time last year. So that you're really seeing a read-through into perception around growth valuations, and you're seeing it come down across the board and really across uh, subsectors. You know what? And, and we just talked about Ford kind of taking a ride down on their autonomous business. I, I think it's interesting that the stock performed so well today because you're seeing a lot of companies step away from this. Uh, whether it's, I think Karen made a, com- made a comment about being first or second in the space. I think all of them are finding it extremely hard to deliver what was, and beat expectations in terms of uh, autonomous capabilities. You know, when Intel is holding Mobileye's hand, they had tremendous growth. Now, while they're out on their own, even though Intel has a a, a commanding hold still on it, but more behind the scenes, in the shares, in the equity positions, we're going to see how they float on their own. And I'm not sure with this environment how much a self-drive stock is good. This feels like we're looking at mood rings again. Right. I mean, we're not we're not looking or rare earth. You know, this feels like we're looking at stuff that Elon Musk has a has cornered the market on self-drive mm-hmm. and they can't figure out how to get through the regulatory hurdles on the hey, federal level. When so when is off. that going to eventually take place? I think we're going to be uh, looking at a stock that probably falls precipitously. Huh. Well, at least for now, Karen, it's a good sign for the IPO market. Companies that can go public will go public and they can be received Decently, even in yeah. a dour market. I was surprised, right? Actually, yeah. I, surprised I really was surprised. Ahead. They went ahead, right? And they did, and well. then it traded really well. Yeah. Now remember, what they, the amount that they actually sold to the public mm-hmm. is relatively small, so not a lot of money can really move things. But I think in this environment, that's a win for the bankers. Yeah. Coming up, we're keeping an eye on shares of Meta. Uh, that stock is down sharply right now, 14% about. Top analyst joins us at 15%. Top analysts will join us next to dig into the social stocks quarter. More on that next, plus three big moves from today's session. Biogen, Oil, Boeing, all catching our traders' eyes. What they're doing with these names when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another check in the markets today. Stocks losing steam this afternoon. The Dow finishing virtually flat. S&P and Nasdaq both snapping a three-day win streak with the Nasdaq leading the losses, dropping more than 2%. But a falling tide didn't sink all boats. The energy and healthcare sectors leading the S&P both up more than 1% in today's session. And Chinese stocks with a big bounce. The KWEB ETF jumping more than 8%. That's its best day since March. Now let's get more on Meta's third quarter. The stock trading near 2016 levels in the after hours on news that the social media giant sees more weakness in the fourth quarter. Let's bring in Scott Kessler of Third Bridge, where he covers big tech. Um, Scott, how do you think the stock is looking trading at a forward PE now of just above, above 12? Yeah, thanks a lot, Melissa. I don't think people are overly concerned right now about valuation. 
I think they see a company with two straight quarters of revenue declines. Um, OPEX and CAPEX have continued to increase significantly. And now the company's talking about essentially a hiring freeze and um, a facilities realignment. These are things that are not giving people uh, positive signs uh, as we look to close the year and start 2023. I guess embedded in my question, Scott, is, is is there a P.E. at which this thing is so cheap that you can even overlook the things that you outlined? Or is no P.E. appropriate for a company in this position at this point? Right. So we focus on the fundamentals uh, of sectors, industries and companies. And right now it's pretty clear that Meta has a lot of challenges. What's interesting is they've known about some of these issues for a while at this point. And experts that we talk to suggest that uh, the company could have gotten ahead of what happened in terms of IDFA a little bit better than they did. They could have come up with some workarounds. And then in addition to that, of course, you know, the weak economy has not helped at all. And so they are really in a tough spot and they haven't been in a challenged economic situation like this as a public company um, in a way that I think people give gives them any level of kind of confidence. Hey, it's Karen. Thanks for being on. So if you were they and you hear this sort of, you know, onslaught of the spend is just way too much, what would you do if you were they? And if, the, and if they did cut the spend by a lot, does that change your view of the story? I mean, everyone's in an act, advertising yeah. slowdown. That's not particular to them. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, Karen. So a couple of things, right? And I think, you know, some people have been public about this. They've been talking for the last year about the metaverse and the promise of the metaverse and the billion users in the metaverse over the next decade. That's not going to happen for a while. And so I think they need to be more realistic and frankly, more conservative when it comes to the spending that they're going to do as it applies to the metaverse. That's number one. Then number two, I mean, they added thousands of employees just in Q3 alone. I know they indicated that they won't be adding on a net basis any more employees uh, through the end of next year, but I don't know if that's good enough. I think they probably need to make some harder choices related to the employee count, and they also need to kind of indicate to us how they're going to refocus the company and reignite growth. So in terms of reigniting growth, Scott, and, and sort of pivoting away from the moonshot of the metaverse and back into their core business, what would you recommend? I mean, do they reallocate that spend to reels? I mean, what are the things that they can do? Is there low-hanging fruit that they can do to, to sort of revive the story? Yeah, so a couple of things, Melissa. I think based on conversations that we have well, with experts on a day-to-day -day basis, there are two things that come to mind. Short-form video um, is definitely at the top of the list. That is the single biggest priority, it seems, uh, over the near term for the company. And it's our sense that you know they need to get to 50 or 60% of users' time spent on Instagram with Reels to really start making an impact with that particular platform and service offering. They're not close to that yet. I think they need to essentially double uh, where they are now. Secondarily is e-commerce. It seems like they made a big splash when it came to e-commerce two plus years ago during the height of COVID. Now they've pulled back. It seems like TikTok is really cooking their goose when it comes to both short form video 
and e-commerce where it looks like Meta is pulling back and you look at TikTok and they're moving full steam ahead. So those are two opportunities that are right in front of them and they just need to focus and execute. Our sense is that their advantage over TikTok and they're two to three years behind when it comes to the algorithm and all that, but they are ahead when it comes to monetization. I think they should focus on that and really invest aggressively. All right, Scott, great to get your take on this. Thanks a lot, Scott Kessler. Um, So a couple of opportunities right in front of them, but these are still, I don't want to say long-term, medium-term. They're not immediate things that can be accomplished, Bono. And how are you feeling about the stock at this point, which is, by the way, after our session lows down almost 17%. I mean, I think you bring up some good points. I mean, they're more investment, but they're medium-term investments. And we've talked about the rate environment and how when you're discounting something that's happening even five years out into the future in this current rate environment, you're going to have to take a discount. So now we're talking about something that's twice as long in terms of maturity, and they're continuing to pour money in. So like for someone who's constantly looking at DCF models, I don't even know what IRR to kind of attach to whatever this metaverse thing is. And I think that's ultimately what's giving investors angst. So Bronwyn, is there some level at which you would say, all right, uh, you know, there's a giant business there. Um, clearly, they're, they, they've lost their way, or the street really believes they've lost their way. Is there some point where you would say, all right, the risk reward is compelling? Sure. It's just that I would have to massively discount the upside that I expect because, it, to the point earlier when we were ta- discussing, if they were to pivot, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it clearly abates the cash spin. But to me, that's them throwing on, in the towel on them being a growth business. And if that goes away, well, then now I'm saying, OK, now this is just a value play. And I expect that growth to be much smaller and stable over time. But the opportunity cost for me putting money there is, is again, much higher. So it's, it's just that my upside just gets discounted so aggressively. Sure, I think it becomes a safer play, but one that's with much less robust upside. Guy, I've got a question for you. Meta oh, I like this game. 17, yeah. Who said it was a game? Down 17% right now. Does this stock look better or worse than it did at the close? Better because worse. the valuation is Infinitely. lower? Okay. No, it's worse. I mean, it's a disaster. I mean, we've been saying this for a while. I mean, here you go. A number of people on Twitter pointed this out. We started the show with this. They bought back $42 billion of stock over the last year at an average price of $300. So yeah. they're lousy traders, number one. I mean, that just goes without saying. They're betting the future of the company on something that nobody understands and they can't explain, number two. Uh, And there's a certain arrogance to that, number three. At a certain point, all they have to start doing is basically monetizing a user base that is head and shoulders above everybody else's. But if I'm Mr. Zuckerberg, which I'm not, I'm getting on the blower to the White House and say, hey, you got to do me a solid and ban TikTok, because to me at this point, that's their lifeline. That would be... a game changer potentially <laughs> for Meta if that happened. Uh, meantime, let's stick with big tech earnings. Amazon reporting tomorrow after the bell. One options traders betting on some upside for the e-commerce giant. Brian Sutlin joins us now with the action. Hey, Brian. Hey, yeah, some interesting action in Amazon because when I took a look at it earlier, I saw open interest ticking up about 20% over the last five days. So that's pretty big. So what's going on there? Basically, we have the earnings event coming up t- tomorrow. We all know that. But what was interesting is a seller of the March 80 put for just a little over $2. To me, that's a really interesting trade because the break even there is basically uh, at the 2020 lows of COVID, right? And to sell an option out, you know, almost six months for just two bucks, 
I would never really do that unless I had protection on or I really thought like, hey, we're not going to get a disaster in Amazon, whether it's this earnings or over the next few months. So that's a little bit of hope for the stock. Now, when I look at it near term here, you know, with the earnings coming up, options are cheap. We've seen earnings the last three quarters. This stock has moved huge, over 12%. An option premium right now is trading as if this is only going to move 7 or 8%. So I think a call option, because I own this for clients, is an interesting way to sort of play to the upside here. Because you know, if we break below basically the June lows of 100, there's a lot more, a little bit of windfall to the downside. I wouldn't really necessarily want to own the stock in that case. And using a call option that seems to me trading cheap ahead of a big earning event, could be a way, nice way to play this and so and that's one way to play amazon i mean you get consumer discretionary you get communication services you get software all wrapped up into one if you want to play that to the upside i like buying a call instead all right thanks Bri. for more options action tune into the full show that's friday 5 30 p.m eastern time coming up the red and the green in today's session will break down three names moving in different directions and what is driving their action plus throwing in the towel on fedex one of our traders is going all return to sender on the delivery name. We'll find out why when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. A double dose of stocks topping the tape today, starting with Biogen. Shares up 2.5% after Goldman Sachs upgraded the stock to a buy in the back of yesterday's earnings. Analysts bullish on the rollout of Biogen's early Alzheimer's drug, which is expected to reach the market next year, saying it could see peak global sales of $14 billion, just in time to replace the declining revenues from uh, from its MS franchise, as well as Spinraza guy. If Biogen got, has this right, and you go back seven years, I mean, for about a week or so, the market thought they had it right in Alzheimer's, and you saw how they rewarded. But if they have it right, I mean, this stock will go from a $40 billion market cap to $100 billion very quickly. Goldman, I think, put a $370 price target. Look, this is clearly the deep end of the pool, because at a certain level, there's a binary uh, element to this. But biotech in general, look at Amgen, and look at big cap pharma, by the way has done extraordinarily well in this environment. So I sort of like the call. There's a level of uh, huevos associated with it, Mel. Oh, yeah. I mean, that binary event could be November 29th when there's a full phase three readout of this Alzheimer's drug. Grasso, do you like Biogen? Well, I I do. And the fact that we're talking about something other than COVID or COVID leverage or vaccine leverage and dependency, Alzheimer's ticks a lot of boxes for investment. So I I think it's a great spot. I would have liked to have bought it before it had this spike higher. But don't get skewed, it's, it's up 43% in one month. So that to me is, wait for a better entry on this one, although I do like the name. All right, and speaking of healthcare, do not miss an exclusive interview with the CEO, the chairman and CEO, he was just named chairman this afternoon of Merck on Squawk Box right here on CNBC. Next, OIH, the oil services ETF popping more than 3% as U.S. crude exports surge to record highs and the dollar falters. In the last month, shares have jumped close to 50%. Karen. Yes, that's been good. Yeah. Unlike some other problem children that I have in my portfolio. <laughs> no, it's it's a combination of, I think it was just really oversold, but also when I, I, I so I'm long OIH, but also was long and took off too early this, uh, the, the concept was long OIH relative to oil. Oil doesn't need to go up. In fact, it could stay flat or even go down a little and the OIH should still do really well. That trade has really worked. It's it's up about 40 percent. Uh, so I'm still so I took that off, but I'm still long the OIH. This rally now is starting to get a little bit long Rocky. in the tooth, straight up. Um, something I'm not used to uh, for 
So I don't know. I feel like this one is also a little late, similar to Biogen. It's, it's really had a huge run. We could probably find a place to buy it better. Uh, Buzzkill now on Boeing. The stock sinking nearly 9% after reporting a loss of more than $3 billion in the third quarter. Strength in Boeing's commercial unit overshadowed by problems in the defense business, including ongoing issues with the new Air Force One. Uh, Bono, and how are you feeling about BA? Yeah, this is challenging. I think um, the bulls will point to the free cash flow generation. I think it was triple what was expected, around $2.93 billion versus $1 billion of expected. But I think the positives start to end there, particularly when you talk about a defense business. You expect that to be a bit countercyclical and hold up well. And for them to have a massive loss there vis-a-vis expectations, I think, makes for a challenging backdrop. Guy, defense stocks, if I recall, were your final trade yesterday. How are you feeling today, given what Boeing said? Everybody else seems to figure it out. I mean, if your name seems to be uh, Lockheed Martin or Northrop, I mean, they seem to having no problems in this environment. Boeing, I mean, I hate to say it, I mean, but I mean, they've really been off sides now for the last three and a half, four years, and it's it's been difficult to own the shares. And at a certain point, it's going to be compelling. It's just not here yet, and they continue to trip over themselves when everybody else in the space, seemingly their competitors, seemingly figures it out. So, no bueno here in BA. All right, coming up, fed up with FedEx. Why one of our traders is throwing in the towel on this transport stock. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. FedEx today finishing in the green despite the market's late slide. But one of our traders is throwing in the towel on this transport trade. Karen. Yes. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. So several weeks ago, FedEx announced that miss, which was very shortly after their big, you know, introducing the new CEO, which we, he's been there a long time anyway. And they said, we, you know, we missed in the quarter, but we still are really confident in 2025. And I'm thinking, wow, how can they have no confidence in this quarter that they're currently in, but right. still feel really good about the clarity for 2025? Sold some <laughs> little bit of stock then. Stupid to not have sold at all. But yesterday, UPS came out with their earnings. They're in, obviously, extremely similar businesses. And yet, it seems to be so much better managed on every metric, whether it's uh, return on invested capital or margins or um, profitability per package. And Carol Tomei just seemed to really have her handle on every part of the business, where FedEx seems to sort of have an excuse for why this didn't work or that didn't work or what they need to fix. So at this point, with the, the whole space has gone down, so I feel like on an absolute basis, UPS, although it is more expensive than FedEx, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a better risk-reward. There's that. And then one other thing, which is tax loss selling, I feel like, all right, take the loss in FedEx. I can revisit this in 31 days if I want right. to. Or I'm in what I expect to be the higher quality name, which is UPS. Yeah, this is the ultimate would you rather. Yes, and it you is. rather UPS. I rather. Yeah. Uh, MetaShares right now, after our session lows, down by more than 18%. Let's get back to Julia Borson for some headlines from the company's call. Julia. Well, some interesting commentary from CEO Mark Zuckerberg as we see that stock plummeting on concerns about increasing losses in the Reality Labs division and the fact that there's no indication that they're going to be um, spending less on that metaverse project. 
Mark Zuckerberg talking about how things with the core business are going well. He talked about progress with TikTok, saying that they believe that they are making gains in terms of time spent share with competitors such as TikTok. They talked about a 50% increase in Reels plays across Facebook and Instagram, and also that within the next 12 to 18 months, the transition of consumer time over to Reels will become a tailwind instead of a headwind. So optimism there. Um, and then they talked about the cost cutting and really reiterating this idea that their their headcount will be flat between now and the end of next year. So there may be some hiring and firing that will be maintaining that total headcount. But if you look at the fact that the stock is down nearly 19%, um, operating expense guidance, that does seem to be something that is um, raising concerns um, and playing through from the prior CapEx growth. So looking at 18.6% decline in that stock as investors weigh some of the challenges facing this company. All right, Julia, thanks. Uh, either not enough or not convincing or a combination of the two at this point with the stock down so much in the after-hour session. Grasso, you bought this going into earnings. What do you do now? Cry. Start by after crying. crying. <laughs> after crying. Well, th- this one, then you're going to have to manage it. Or else you're just going to you, you buy. This was a flyer for me. This was a cowboy trade. I really thought that everything was de-risking in the name. So tomorrow, it's a matter of seeing how it trades and then doing the reverse three-day rule. I should have waited until after earnings, but I wanted to catch some beta. I thought it was going to be up off of earnings. So I'll wait a couple of days because I, I believe we'll probably see the bottom. And that bottom, unfortunately, could be sub 100 because the next support I see is $94. So hopefully we don't get there and it bounces, but I'm going to hold it for a couple of days. I mean, to put this market cap loss in perspective, it's what, $300 billion or so or less in market cap at this point in the after hour session. It's smaller than Home Depot, just a little bit bigger than Bank of America. Um, Karen, what do you do after you wipe some of your tears away mm-hmm. with Meta? <laughs> yes. Do you do you go do you buy more? Well, definitely. If I were going to decide to buy more, this is absolutely a three-day rule for sure, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. like you would say the same. Sounds like we had three days today, though. Yes, right. It's really been, I mean, I think we're going to see giant downgrades tomorrow, right? I think you're going to see people just throwing in the towel. That's going to be more selling. you got to wait. All right. Final trade up next. Final trade time. Guy. Stay in energy, sister, Marathon Petroleum. Bono and Eisen. Nat Gas, I think you're getting the opportunity to buy on weakness. Steven Grasso. Next gen, I'm not, I'm not excited to buy anything, but I'm gonna go with a uranium play, <laughs> NXE, next gen. Karen Feinerman. Yes, all along the energy, I'm actually taking a little different tack. OIH has got to sell some November 310 calls. If it gets past 310, that's an all-time high, so I'm taking a little money off the table there in OIH. All right. Thank you all for watching Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. 
We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.